You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Ian, look at this. What it's a police box. What on earth are you doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it. It's vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. You're probably a bit confused right now. I broke the glass. It's all come back to me. This. What is this? That's my ship. What? Let me take it from the top. Hello. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler in space and time. And that thing buried down there is called a TARDIS. Time and relative dimension in space. You're gonna love this. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to the newest episode of the Earth Station Who podcast. Tonight, we're giving you another panel that we did at DragonCon 2020. This time out, we're talking about an intro to Doctor Who with our friends over at the DragonCon Brit Tracks. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach out at us at feedback at earthstationwho.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. Enjoy the show, and we'll see you in their next episode when all of us will be back in studio with the Faceless Ones. Take care of yourselves. Peace and enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of uh, Virtual Brit Track at the Dragon Con. My name is Rob in the Hat. I am the assistant director of the Brit Track. And to my left here, we have the lovely director of the Brit Track, uh, Caro. Say hi, Caro. Hi, guys. Hi, Caro. <laughs> and then over here to my right, we have uh, the host of Earth Station Who, Mike Faber. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having us here, and thank you, and hello, DragonCon. All right. And then down here uh, uh, underneath uh, Mike Faber is uh, Howdy Mike from Earth Station Who. Howdy. All right. And in the window directly underneath me, we have a co-host of Earth Station Who, Ms. Mary Ogle. Hi, everybody. And then down here in this corner right down here, we have uh, Mr. Michael Faulkner, the author of the Timestamps Project on Creative Criticality. Hello, everybody. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. All right. With a, uh, a brand new spiffy camera, too. Yeah. Hey. The title of today's panel is Doctor Who 101, Where to Get Started. And I'm going to turn it over to Mike over here, who is going to uh, lead us all in a song. That's right. All right, everyone. No, no, no. 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 No,
how to get people involved in Doctor Who who don't know about Doctor Who. They might have a passing interest in Doctor Who. And basically, the way we're going to do it is our panel is going to be doing recommendations where you should step into Doctor Who or episodes that would represent the series properly. Or, you know, there might even be a comic or there might be an audio adventure. It just all depends. You know, Doctor Who has almost 60 years of a history to it. We're right now three years away from the 60th anniversary. So there's a lot of things to jump into. And a lot of people are like, I don't know where to get started. I've seen people wear Doctor Who t-shirts. Or I've seen these people wear fezes or bow ties or carry these sonic screwdrivers. What is this? What is it all about? What's the deal with the police box? You know. I want to know. So we're going to tell you guys tonight. So let's jump in. And if you had, you know, to introduce to somebody to Dr. Who, I'm going to give this to Mike Faulkner. <laughs> how would you, how would you introduce them? No how would you describe to Dr. Them, to Dr. Who? How, how would I describe the show or how would I, where would I tell them to jump in? Is, which, which well, how would is you it? describe the show first? Uh, it is, uh, if you consider it's a show about, about problem solving with with romance and intellect versus you know brute force and cynicism, as Craig Ferguson said, right? You got a you got an alien who's who seems infatuated with the planet Earth and the people of 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 the planet Earth, and he goes out there or she goes out there now, and and they they solve the problems, they help save people, they they save the universe from the forces of darkness, uh, and they they do it by thinking about it, they do it by compassion, they do it by intellect. And reasoning, they don't just pull out a gun and, and solve problems that way. You have know, there have there been a lot of Doctor Who's, or is it just you know, is it just one character? <laughs> How's that work? Uh, it, it is. I, I describe it as as one character with a lot of different personalities and faces because the the thread still runs throughout all of them, but you do change actors, so you change the the way that the character looks and acts periodically. Okay, so you're not describing somebody who's schizophrenic. Then. No. No, he just has a lot of personality. Well, yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mary, what about you? Um, what with Doctor Who, how would you describe what the Doctor does? Is How does the Doctor, you know, just fight on Earth or have adventures? What What does the episodes usually partake of? Uh, well, first of all, I, I would call him a trickster figure and uh, who, who, who travels through time and he can appear in the past and the future on Earth, on, on other planets and other dimensions. Pretty much anywhere you can think of, he, he might show up. Okay. And is it usually just the doctor by himself or herself now? Uh, well, it's actually kind of dangerous for the doctor to travel alone. Um, he, he, he or she knows that, that they need a companion in order to, to preserve their, their compassion and their humanity. Otherwise, they become a little too much of a godlike figure and they go a bit off the rails and uh, start uh, believing in, in their own hype and in their own power. Okay. So it, it's... Yeah. It's very important for them to have people that around them that ground them. Okay. Mike Gordon, what is regeneration? I've heard a lot of people, you know, talking about that with the show. 
Well, yeah, and that's a, a key element to what makes Doctor Who Doctor Who is the fact that uh, the main character regenerates every few years uh, into a uh, relatively um, a similar person, but with a little bit different personality each time. Uh, so there have been, uh, I think, established uh, 13 act- main actors that have played uh, the Doctor in its run. And uh, and counting right, um, and uh, yeah, the doctor belongs to well, recent, until recently we've been the doctor belongs to a race called the Time Lords, and uh, and and they have the ability to regenerate instead of uh, you know die. So they just sort of reboot themselves with a different uh, outlook and uh, a different, slightly different personality. Uh, I think the core of the character is usually the same. But with the variation depending on the actor or actress who's playing the character. Okay. Hey, Caro, does the character, or the doctor, do they reboot the show each time the doctor changes, or does the show just continue on? Well, the this, this show does continue on, except for the fact that, you know, the show's been around for over 15 plus years, and there's been various hiatuses in the show. That's why we have a split of the, what people call the classic series Doctor Who and the new series Doctor Who. So the characters stayed the same. However, because of the split and regenerations that have occurred and new actors playing the Doctor, we have this divide between the classic series and the new series and gaps and years and even a movie in between. So Awesome. And Hey Rob, yes. does the doctor fly around in a spaceship? Or I've seen this blue box or something. It looks like a telephone booth, like Bill and Ted. Uh, the doctor travels around in a uh, time machine from his own planet called a TARDIS, which okay. is uh, a acronym for Time and Relative Dimensions in Space. It is bigger on the inside. Uh, the inside dimensions are in uh, are much, much larger than the outside of the ship. Uh, There are several rooms. There's a console room. There's a bathroom that has a pool in it and maybe a library. Uh, The uh, TARDIS is stuck in the shape of a uh, Metropolitan Police box from the 1960s. Uh, Most TARDISes have a device called a chameleon circuit, which lets it blend into its local surroundings. But the Doctor's is broken. Okay, awesome. So now that we've got the basics and is, you know, does Doctor Who, you know, like you you mentioned the companions, is the companions aliens also or are they from the Doctor Who's planet? What they call it, Gallifrey? So. Um, Are you you still? Any, yeah, you still. Um. They can be aliens. Some of them are from the Doctor's planet, and he's called the Doctor, not Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, okay. Some of them have been from the Doctor's planet. Some of them are aliens. Some of them are contemporary. Uh, some of them are robots. Uh, and uh, depending on where you read, uh, one of them is a shape-shifting penguin. Another is a, a giant Tyrannosaurus robot. Um, and, and one of them is from Australia. 
No way. That's the craziest one. That's the crazy. Oh. You're talking crazy right now. <laughs> you are. So, Miss, hey, Mike Gordon, has any of these companions that the doctor travels with since they're, hu- they're human, alien and stuff, do they die? Do they leave the TARDIS? What happens to them? Well, I mean, that's part of the journey, right? Um, certainly traveling with the doctor on the adventures is dangerous. Uh, so, um, you know, they're, they have a lot of adventures, uh, over the course of the, you know, 50 some years, uh, various fates have, uh, 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 been put upon a lot of the companions. I don't want to go too heavy on them because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody who's new, but let's just say, you know, um, you know, don't get too invested. No ticket. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh. This is so true. And if you so hate somebody, saying, don't don't worry. So you're saying Doctor Who is just like Game of Thrones. Yeah. So basically, you know, every every couple seasons they have a red wedding. Got it. Okay. Actually, yeah. it, it's it's yeah. not that bad. I mean, I no. think one of the things that we should mention too is that originally Doctor Who was created as a children's show, right? So. Uh, children's program to learn about history as well as science facts, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's got that moniker still uh, to an extent, and it, it pretty much keeps in that tradition and where, um, you know, I mean, it does get kind of violent. It is, I think, what they would call maybe PG-13 now, but it's not as so it's not as kid like little kid friendly. But so you're, you're not going to see a lot of like Game of Thrones type activities on Doctor Who. Oh. Darn. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not a show on HBO. <laughs> oh, and, and also, it's it's definitely not the Captain Jack show, Torchwood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. No, exactly. So that actually leads into my next question, and this is open to all of you now. What um what was your very first episode of Doctor Who that you started with, and what attracted you to Doctor Who when you first saw it? Let's start with Mike Faulkner. My first episode was Rose, um, like most people's. Uh, it was, you know, the 2005 premiere episode that started off the revival era of the show uh, with Christopher Eccleston as the ninth Doctor. Um, the reason I got into it was a lot of my friends at a convention I went to it was a, a Farscape convention in Burbank. And uh, they had looked at me and said, hey, you know, we, we're talking about Farscape a lot, but have you ever seen Doctor Who? And I said, well, I, I know it exists and I know that has you know, decades of material behind it. I don't know where to begin. They said, well, good, lucky for you. And there's a revival of it happening. It's now three years in. Uh, so it was on Netflix at the time. My wife and I came home. We said, oh, let's give it a shot. And we we burned through everything Netflix had in, in you know, a matter of weeks. It was just, just go right through it. Uh, because it was, it was different than a lot of the sci-fi that, that we had seen. And it was, it was strange enough too, because you, you had to get past the, you know, I'm a Star Wars, Star Trek kind of guy at that point. So it was, you know, getting into, okay, well, what does the British side of the house do with their, with their science fiction? You know, it, what's the history of these characters? Kind of really investing myself into it. Uh, it was it was kind of a learning curve to go through. But it was, it was so fun that we just kept rolling with it. It was So it was, what made you go back to the old series? That was, you know, once we had completed, um, see, I started that in 2014, so it would have been, uh, what is that like Matt Smith or, or Peter Capaldi's era? Uh, you know, I was like, okay, well I, I've experienced all of, all of new who, uh, you know, what, where do I go from here? Well, there's so much they talk about that I don't know anything about. 
And so I, I went back and found un, uh, the the pilot, Unearthly Child, and said, "Let me let me start here. That's <laughs> the beginning. Let's go there." And it just snowballed from there. Like, oh, that was that was pretty good. Oh, the Daleks is really good. Okay, let's let's see what else this has to offer. And then, of course, it, I, I'm a writer, so it turned into a blog <laughs> a blogging project, and here we are. <laughs> I, I got a question for you regarding that because there's so many people that have joined, you know, with New Who in the last, you know, little over a decade now. Um, it, and, and since there was that break between Classic Who and New Who, is since you've started with New Who and you've gone back, do you find that rewarding? Do you appreciate New Who even more because of that? Yes, uh, because you know it. it there is the hurdle of getting into into classic science fiction. It doesn't move as quickly, you know, and it, it builds a lot based on on the eras in which it was developed. Um, and you you watch the mythology build, and then you get back to to New Who again because the Timestamps project went, you know, from the beginning until you know it keeps rolling, you know, through what's available now. And I'm picking up all these little little seeds and stuff they dropped along the way that didn't make any sense the first time through. Um, and it's it's actually very re- rewarding to see the character development, to see you know characters like Sarah Jane Smith come back, and you're like, oh, okay, and now I understand why fans love her so much, and so do I. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> stuff like that that just the 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 payoff now is is going back to the the new series and seeing all the building blocks in place. Of course. What about you, Kara? Um, my first episode was Battlefield with the Seventh Doctor, um, played by Boy. Oh. Um, and I caught it on um, Play Rerun on PBS when I was living in uh, California. And um, they just happened to have random, out of order, completely out of order episodes that they would they purchase and hadn't bought whole seasons of. And I was um, 12, and I thought it was the weirdest episode ever because <laughs> it's the doctor and the science fiction. And then you've also got the element of the brigadier in, in, in unit, which is a whole military aspect of the show that they've thrown in. Um, and then you've got Merlin and them called <laughs> Merlin and you've got Arthurian legend and Mordred and, all these characters because there's a rip in space and time. And I, at the time had been um, in school, we had just read more to Arthur. And so I'd really gotten Arthurian legend. And so I was like, what am I watching? And so I fell in love with it, but I, my second, the next weekend when it aired again was sea devils episode. Oh, wow. Wow. And with John Pertley and the Sea Devils episode has him fighting his one of his many mortal enemies who's also in the same species as him, um, you know, called the Master. And they, they, they were fencing and sword fighting, <laughs> which barely had anything to do with the plot of the episode. But... <laughs> You know, there was an acid lake, a lake made of acid, and then they had sword fighting, and I was just like, what am I watching? And when I, later on, when I was 13, my dad got stationed actually just outside of London, so we were there living there for a little while, and then I actually got to sit at 12 and 13 and watch, like, things consecutively, because they would, you know, broadcast it, and I just fell in love, you know, with the show as a result of the classic series, so... um 
I recommend starting. You had a rough beginning. Hold that thought. We're not going to tell where we're going to tell them to start yet. Okay. That's going to be the. Okay, Rob, what about you? Uh, I started watching Doctor Who. Uh, it was the summer of 82. And I was uh, uh, in, I was taking a bath. It was in this uh, summer break. And my grandmother knocked on the door and said, hey, there's this uh, show coming on uh, uh, PBS. It's called Doctor Who. It sounds like a science fiction. And I said, ooh, that sounds like something I might be able to watch. Actually, okay, I'm paraphrasing. I probably said, okay. <laughs> uh, but, that sounds uh, more uh, like it, yeah. Yeah. So I uh, got out of the tub and I went to the living room. And it was the five doctors. So talk about confusing. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. But I loved it. But then, and then and that was it until uh, about six months later for New Year's. They started with uh, Robot. They started with uh, the first of the Tom Baker series. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was hooked after that. I, I uh, begged my great-grandmother to uh, crochet me uh, a scarf, a, doctor, a Tom Baker scarf, which I still have. Almost 35 years later. Wow. That's awesome. That is yes. awesome. Nice. Okay, Mary, what about you? Well, I started watching Doctor Who when it was on, the fourth Doctor was on PBS just constantly when I was a kid. Um, but I don't remember what the first episode was, to be honest. And I wasn't really a fan. It was more my sister who watched it, and I was just there. But but I started re-watching... Um, from Rose and, but I didn't, it didn't really grab me until the empty child, the doctor dances. And that episode just is so bonkers. I mean, you've got a creepy child just whose face is morphing into a gas mask. You've got Captain Jack who's campy and fun and just sort of all over the place. You've got, you know, Rose and, and the doctor just riffing off each other in a great way. And it just, the, the absurdity of it, the comedy of it, the horror of it, I mean, all, all together and all, all working together. And I was just like, what is, what is going on? This is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. And it, that was it. I was, I was hooked. And then, then I was obsessed with it. Then I had to go back and watch Classic Who. And I fell in love with Patrick Troughton. And, you know, it was, I highly recommend anyone who hasn't watched Patrick Troughton to go back and watch because I think you'll enjoy, you'll really enjoy those. Exactly. And you'll see a lot of Matt Smith stalker in Patrick Troughton, which is pretty awesome. Or the other way around. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So awesome. Mikey. Uh, well, uh, much the same as Mary, uh, and, and I discovered Doctor Who in the 70s, uh, you know, after that uh, little independent movie Star Wars came out that not a lot of people saw, but I liked it a lot. Um, and uh, you were the one, I, huh? It's I, your fault. I, I, yeah, I was really into it, man. Uh, I know crazy, right? Uh, but um, so I ate up like everything science fiction, Battlestar Galactica, all that kind of stuff, and uh, uh, they had a uh, Star Wars radio show that aired um, uh, an adaptation of Star Wars radio show that aired on uh, the uh, um, PB um, the uh, what is it not NPR, right? Radio. NPR. Yeah. yeah yeah so 
uh, NPR did that. And afterwards, uh, they would air uh, new episodes of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I fell in love with. I absolutely fell in love with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, fell in love with all things Douglas Adams, fell in love, immediately bought all the books. And so that um, that sort of level of humor and science fiction tell- and storytelling really excited me. And when I just happened to catch Doctor Who on, on PBS, because it was airing every weeknight on, I think, at 7 or 7.30 on PBS there, um, I would catch it when I could. It wasn't easy for me. This was before DVR, uh, you know, way before DVRs, even before I had a VCR. So uh, there was a lot like, I, so I, yeah, I could only catch it. So there was a lot of times where I'd see the cliffhanger, but I'd never know how it was resolved for years, for decades. Ooh. Um, but I was in love with Tom. Uh, I think my first, I, I, I can't remember the first story I saw, but I'm pretty sure I was introduced to Tom and Leela first. Uh, and I was at the right age where Leela was like, yep, that's got my attention. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, not just for dads. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I fell in love with, uh, Sarah Jane as well. And then when Tom left, I kind of, I tapped out. I was not a big fan of the changeover. Um, I wasn't really too familiar with all the doctors that came before Tom. So I kind of tuned out and uh, I remained tuned out until the Fox movie, which I really liked. And, uh, but I saw a lot of potential there. And when New Who came, I was really ready to, to just jump on board. And I saw that first episode rose and I've been a huge fan and invested fully in the franchise ever since. That's awesome. That is awesome. My history with Doctor Who is kind of similar to Mike Gordon's. Uh, Basically, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C., and being a latchkey kid, you know, my parents were always out of the house. And so, like, it was a Saturday afternoon, and I was just flipping through cable channels, and we just happened to have WOR from New York. And... Saturday afternoons, they ran all the Doctor Who stories all together. So they didn't do the half hour cliffhangers. Right. And so I got to see the talents of Y Chang for my very first story. And it was the doctor fighting ninjas with a Chinese midget. It was awesome. And it was just a great, great story with giant rats and. I was probably at the most 10 years old. So it caught my attention right away. And I drifted off from Doctor Who maybe about a year or two. And then I found out that the local PBS station was showing the half-hour episodes of Doctor Who every weeknight at basically at 11 p.m. So I had a TV in my room by that time. And I got to watch Doctor Who, and I started with, I think it was The Wheel in Space with the Doctor, Sarah, and Harry. And it was awesome, and I was hooked ever since. And I've been a Doctor Who fan ever since. The only problem was where I grew up, Doctor Who was only Tom Baker for me. When they got to the regeneration with Legopolis, they started back always at the beginning with Robot. And so it just went through the whole Tom era. And I watched it every time still. And then at pledge time, they started showing the 
other doctors. They started showing some of the third doctor, some of the fifth doctor, and then they showed in 1983, um, they showed the five doctors. So it was awesome to see. And also that's the area where Marvel Comics was starting to reprint the British Doctor Who comics here in the States. So I caught up on that and I just started going there and I never looked back. So that was my Doctor Who intro. And I was lucky enough to be able to teach Judy how to like it and what to introduce her. And that's what we'll do in a second where we introduce the different people or what you would recommend. But I also got to introduce my son to Doctor Who. And for me, I introduced him with Rose, like Mike Faulkner did, because I thought it was a good starting point mm -hmm. for somebody. Instead, you didn't have to learn all the history and everything. And this was probably 2005. And I didn't have all the DVDs at the time or stuff like that. So we started with Rose. And when they started showing it on sci-fi and then coming out with the box set for the ninth doctor we picked it up as soon as it came out so it was pretty awesome so that's how i did it uh what would you guys recommend for somebody who doesn't know doctor who you know we've talked a little bit about the doctor's history how you explain the doctor but how would you recommend somebody who's never watched the show do you recommend starting at the beginning of the new series at the beginning of the classic series or is there a certain episode you would recommend for somebody to start watching Doctor Who with. Uh, let's start with Mike Gordon. Um, well, I would definitely ha suggest that they start with uh, the first episode of, you know, pick a doctor, you know, um, certainly it depends on the person, but I think, uh, I think, you know, starting, if you're watching, you know, starting your journey with Doctor Who, I think you should start with the first episode of whatever that, that doctor's first episode is. Now, you mentioned Rose. I think that's an excellent one because that was when Doctor Who came back after a long time. Uh, so that was a great introduction episode. Uh, Matt Smith's uh, introduction, I think his first episode is, to me, in my mind, the best first doctor or first appearance of a doctor incarnation ever. So that one's a great one to start with. But, um, you know, like if you go back even further, uh, I do think that at some point, uh, any Doctor Who fan should watch the very first Hartnell episode just to put that uh, like in your in your geek box, you know, like to, to have that history. And so you can you can understand where the character and where the franchise started, whether you continue from that, you know, it's up to you. And some doctors are like, look, I tapped out after Tom left. So I get it when people say that, oh, this is not my doctor. I can't really watch anymore. I get that. So everybody's got a doctor that really kind of appeals to them. So it's just a matter of finding that one, I think. No, that's really good. I like how you said that. What about you, Mary? Well, for new who usually, like Mike said, I usually recommend either Rose or the 11th hour, kind of depending on, on the person and yeah. what I know about them and what kind of storytelling they like. Um, I, I, a lot of people recommend Blink. I don't usually recommend that one because it's a Dr. Light episode and it's not real. It's a great, fantastic, amazing episode, but it's not really representative right. of Dr. Who. Sure. Uh, for classic Who, I, I often recommend Sparehead from Space. Mm -hmm. um, 
which is the first third doctor episode. Um, it's in color. <laughs> it's the fir- it's the first color Doctor Who actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and it's just it's just a great episode. And Pertwee is really great in it, and it's got a lot of comic elements that are really fun. And and a lot of times, if people are interested in Troughton, I'll recommend Tomb of the Cy- Cy- Cybermen because it's just such a great episode, and uh, Troughton's just so good in it. That might have been the first one I saw him in too, and that is a good one. Oh, it's a great, great one. And it's 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 fun because you the doctor takes charge right away and has the Cybermen and in their glory, which is pretty awesome. That's awesome, Carol. What about you? I think it depends on like what kind of person you are. So the brilliance of Doctor Who is that every iteration of the Doctor has some sort of personal characteristic that's the strongest or stands out the most. Um, meaning like some of them, you know, are kind of a little dark. Some of them are really campy and, you know, enjoy a good laugh. And then you've got some that are more mad scientisty. So I think if you, depending on what you like, you're going to fall in love with the show by starting with that kind of idea, like reflecting on like, well, what do I watch now? What do I like now? And then where can I go from there? For me, I loved cult. I love cult classics. I love anything that's camp. I love anything that's, you know, got that kind of element to it. So I fell in love with Pertwee and with the sub, with the sub doctor, with Sylvester McCoy. Um, McCoy is what I guess I would call my doctor um, only because he's got crazy episodes. I mean, he's got one where he goes to like a psychedelic circus <laughs> and uh what is it greatest show um greatest show in the galaxy we just did that one which is a great episode and then um survival was my other favorite because it's got cheetah people in it <laughs> and so you've got crazy clownish like things going on in one episode but you know merlin in another episode <laughs> And then you got a Merlin element again and, and, and bringing back Morgana and, and you got um, just, it's all over the place. And then Pertwee, you know, with Pertwee, uh, I think he's, he's one of the best episodes for me is, is Sea Devils because how crazy it is. But if you want to get to know the, the, the doctor, getting to know the arch enemy of the doctor, the master and starting off with um, terror of the, the autons is a big, really, you get introduced to the master in a really great way. And I think yeah. that at, it, you know, some people have akin Dr. Who to the Sherlock Holmes archetype. And, you know, I think that that stands out a lot in that episode. So if you like Sherlock, if you're really into that, you might kind of get that feel of the dynamic, the Moriarty, you know, Sherlock dynamic that you get with the master and, the doctor so i think that that's a really good episode to start off with that's awesome mr faulkner oh we've said so many good ones that i know were on the tip of my tongue i will go back to uh <laughs> to robot uh for series 12 it's the fourth doctor's introduction it's a regeneration episode so you've got a fresh new character uh, that episode is 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 packed to the gills with humor you know it, it, it makes you love love tom baker as the doctor because he just 
he seems like he's not taking things seriously, but you look in the background, he's he's calculating everything. He's crunching all the numbers to figure out what the, the, the solution to the problem is. Um, the the monster is just a giant robot. Um, it's it's you know a giant robot that's brought about by scientifically based Nazis. It's kind of <laughs> weird. Um, and yeah. he, and he <laughs> yeah, you know, as, as you do. Well, as we like to say, because Doctor Who, right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's also got Sarah Jane Smith in there, who's one of my favorite companions. The doctor has his trademark scarf introduced in that episode, which he uses as both a weapon and a scientific instrument. Uh, and then from there, you know, what, if, if you like what you see in robot, that's when you say you stick around for the rest of series 12, where you go into the Ark in space, uh, Santarn experiment. Uh, Genesis of the Daleks and uh, Revenge of the Cybermen. And you get a whole smorgasbord of what Doctor Who is in a series of like five or six stories. And it just, that is, that is like the introduction, you know, 101 to, to the fourth Doctor and to what Doctor Who really is. At least for me. Cool. Rob. Well, um, for new people who've never seen Doctor Who, I've never seen Doctor Who at all. They've been walking around. They've been walking around Dragon Con. They've been seeing people wearing the scarves. They've been seeing these salt and pepper shakers with stalks coming out of it at the con. Are, are those anime? With, exactly. <laughs> or people with spaghetti, you know, lit, you know, down and, you know, all this kind of stuff. What would you tell these people? How would you get them to watch Doctor Who? I would tell them to start with Rose, the first episode of the new series. It was specifically written for people who had not seen Doctor Who, to introduce them to the basic concepts. He's an alien. He travels in time and space. His spaceship is bigger on the inside. And he fights the bad guys. Plus, it also introduced a new concept that um, he uh, is, is not perfect, which is something that we, also, that we always got, that we know as fans. But he's not perfect. And then in the next episode, it introduces the fact that his he's the last of his people. He's the last time lord, and that uh, is a, a revelation that uh, echoes both forward in the series and backward into the classic series. Now, once you get involved, I would recommend going to watch City of Death, uh, Fourth Doctor, uh, Second Romana episode, uh, and it's it's perfect classic Doctor Who. It's uh, the first uh, episode to be shot uh, uh, on location in another country, uh, shot in uh, Paris, and it has uh, great supporting characters, has a great uh, bad guy in uh, uh, Julian Glover. Uh, It has uh, just great pacing, great writing. It was uh, written by Douglas Adams, and it has great cameos, including uh, John Cleese from Monty Python. Very true. Very, very true. That's awesome. I'm going to have to agree with everything any, everyone here said. So <laughs> go watch wow. those, folks. You know? But no, seriously, for people who have never seen Doctor Who before, you know, try to find where it's streaming. It's been changing locations a lot lately where you could see Doctor Who. New series is now on uh, HBO Max. And it's not no longer on Amazon or on Netflix, so it's it's living only on HBO Max. So it's a little more difficult. And classic series, 
there's lots of ways to see the classic series, but mostly BritBox is a great way mm-hmm. if you get a chance to yeah, see it. Yeah, as far as streaming, they've, they've split it up. So that's kind of unfortunate, but, you know, I guess it is what it is, right? Right. Oh, exactly. And that's the cool thing about it, too, is there's, you know, you could also, I know if you have, if you're into streaming and such, you could also have Pluto TV actually has a Doctor Who channel that, you know, that they stream old series Doctor Who 24 hours a day as one of their channels, which is awesome. They put the commercials in at the worst spots, though. <laughs> they totally do. <laughs> so, yeah, it was BBC never meant to have commercials in it anyway. Well, it was like BBC America, I know. Because, like, <laughs> you know, and if you're ever going to get new Doctor Who, uh, basically what, you know, You'll be able to see it on BBC America if you're here in the United States or there's also space in Canada. There's also BBC in the UK. So there's lots of different places to see it. I know, you know, with Doctor Who also, it's just what we did for our podcast, Earth Station Who, the first, I think, 12 episodes, 13 episodes, what we did was we did the first Doctor started with him. And we watched the first episode, and then we watched his last episode. Right. And and then we went to the next and watched, witnessed the regeneration, and then we watched the first of the second Doctor, and we went all the way then to the end of that Doctor, and so on and so forth. So we got to watch and review all the regeneration stories on the podcast. Yeah, the first which was, and last stories, yeah. Exactly. But you're missing, if you just watch those stories to begin with, you're missing a lot and also, it's hard to find the sixth Doctor regenerate into the seventh Doctor. <laughs> well, and you can't even watch the last uh, Hartnell story. No. Well, so, actually, now you can. You They came out with the Tenth Planet. Oh, that's true. That's true. The, so, um, the thing that makes it crazy, though, is that um, those... And that's why it's kind of crazy... It, because even though I, I we're recommending start with those with the first doctor, you know, the first appearance of the first doctor stories, um, those aren't the best episodes. So no. like not, not to say that they're the worst, but like if, if all of us here named our favorite episodes, I bet very few of them would actually be first doctor, like their first appearances. So, um, so yeah, if you just know when you start, Stay with it because it, you know, if you invest in it, it will pay off. Exactly. Because a lot of the times when you see the doctor regenerate, the actor is, doesn't, isn't all new in this role, doesn't have, you know, it's set yet. Even though a lot of times when they do the production, they film the, the stories with the doctor. So the actor can get more comfortable a couple stories in. And so you'll see Mm -hmm. like, and with Peter Davison, I know they filmed a couple episodes storylines in, and you'll see that his hair is actually longer in the regeneration story <laughs> that he did with Castor Valva than it was later in. And so it's just, it's interesting to see. My, like Mike said, my favorite regeneration story is the 11th hour with Matt Smith taking over as the 11th oh, doctor. So because, good. Because that one was almost, that was a brand new TARDIS, a brand new doctor, a brand new companion, and a brand new showrunner starting, you know, you also had that with the ninth doctor, but this was an established series as in the new series, and it was right off all the way through. 
um, it's a lot of fun and it the character shows you this is what you're going to get. This is not the same doctor you had previously. And even more so than other doctors. Because it takes a little couple storylines for the doctor to cook. You find that especially in the old series too. Yeah. Especially with the sixth doctor. You're like, do not do not start your journey with with the twin dilemma. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because because you'll you'll set it down and not come back. (laughs) No, you won't want to come back to Doctor Who if you do not. And the, and the arc, it's, it's, it's sad to say that, too, because the, the arc of the Sixth Doctor, you know, I see what they tried to do, but they miscalculated when they started it. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a hard spot to start in. Well, um, yeah. we, like we you talk, said, it takes a while. We talked about that last night in facts we didn't know about Doctor Who, yeah. that the Sixth Doctor was a Doctor a regeneration gone wrong. Right. And what they... if his because they were running into a lot of political stuff a lot of rating stuff and doctor who actually went on hiatus after one of colin's seasons mm-hmm. and what they were supposed to do is the doctor was going to be evolving and finalizing into a final form and they n- were never able to get to that that's yeah. why there so is something out there called form. exactly Exactly. But there is something out there called Big Finish, which is Doctor Who audios. We haven't even talked about that tonight. No. And we can start with those. No. 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 <laughs> but there are some great ones. And there are yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doctor is great in the Big Absolutely. Finish. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole nother panel for dragging yeah. on for the bridge track, which you can find on our social media on the weekend of the convention. So Exactly. So it it, it is pretty cool. So I think we are we're having a blast talking about Doctor Who, and I don't want to tell people what to stay away from, you know, with, you know, because <laughs> there's plenty to stay away from. Well, I but, think I think that's a good point too, and I think look, I I know a lot of people get, you know, especially modern audiences, uh, don't feel like they let one they want to go back because, well, you know, some of them are in black and white, and so, sometimes that's something ew. that counts against them, right? Um, Particularly as good as I love, you know, I love uh, Troughton as well, the second Doctor. But it's kind of um, unfortunate that in the first Doctor and the second Doctor, a lot of their stories are missing still. Right. So, so you're not going to get like, so you're going to watch it and things are going to happen um, from story to story. Companions are going to leave and you're not going to know why some of them left, why, who the new people are. And, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of rough, actually. You know, the Doctor's will kind of hold you along, but it, it's kind of rough. Uh, and certainly, you know, throughout most of the 70s and 80s, the effects now look like, you know, ridiculous. So it is difficult for modern viewers to, to find, you know, to overcome those in order to watch them, uh, which is unfortunate because the performances are, are usually really good. Well, well, it's, it's, it's really like once you get into it and you get into these episodes where you get so hooked into the character. I mean, the show is gut-wrenching at various different points because of how attached you get. And I know for me, when I, you know, went back and have rewatched it as I've gotten older, um, the green death with John Pertwee, when Joe departs, you get, to, you get to see the, the doctor I mean, it's amazing acting by John Pertwee in the episode. And 
you get to see him really upset in a unique kind of way, you know, for like the first time. I mean, he's, you've seen him grumpy and angry and conflicted in the, the first and second doctor, but to see that episode is just gut wrenching. It's, it's like, um, if you're a new series fan and the, when Donna Noble, you know, she leaves in the end of time and her storyline, you know, that everything that happens with her, go back and watch that episode and it's, you get the same kind of feeling. So I think that that's the uniqueness of the show is that there's something in it for everybody. So if you like to cry, you're going to have episodes you're going to like. If you like to laugh, there's going to be episodes you're going to like. If you like the camp, it's, it's going to have literally anything that you can think of depending on where you start. Mm-hmm. And well, don't forget the scary moments because it's got scary. Oh, yeah. moments. Oh, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's one of the great things. If you could get to watch the old series, each episode used to end in a cliffhanger. Yeah. A lot of times. Mm-hmm. And especially like the older ones, a lot of the series, when they were done the storyline, they went into the next storyline as a cliffhanger. And a lot of times, you know, they gave hints of what was to come and everything. You know, like a lot of like Tom Baker stories. How will Sarah Jane get out of this one? Or, you know, or, you know, stuff like that. And that was always great. And that's what I I appreciated watching it in the half hour formats because you had that. And there was parts of the new series, especially like the Capaldi era, where every part of that season was a two-parter. And you got the cliffhanging cliffhangers and stuff which was awesome and it's it's still the the classic series is still more accessible to join like mid-season to just watch a story here and there because Mm -hmm. they didn't have dvrs you know back then television was a lot different uh wherever it was so you had you know people you know every time you watch something it's someone's first time right so you kind of have to uh account for that whereas now the storylines are kind of convoluted and if you start mid-season or mid-doctor sometimes, you won't know, you won't really understand what's going on, I think, uh, with with that. You have to start, at, that's why we recommend starting at the beginning, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, e- either that or just start at the beginning of a season, at least. Right. Yeah. If you, you know, yeah. For the new, especially the new series, because they have continuing storylines through what's yeah. going on. And the classic series, as long as you started at the beginning of that story, you were fine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You were fine. And so it was, it was pretty awesome when you had that kind of stuff. And Dr. Who is great that there's multiple points where you could jump in and you don't need to know the history of the villains or, Oh wait, this is the villain who uh, started his big plan back in episode two of season three, you know, you know, stuff like that, you know, or, you know, there's one-off yeah. episodes here and there that are just like by themselves are just amazing. Like, oh yeah, like Smile and Midnight. Those are really, really great episodes. The girl in the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all... Just don't want. Just stay away from the episode with the absorb a lot. You'll be fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't like Midnight myself. Really? I liked yes. it. I think it's a hit or miss. Oh, I thought Midnight was amazing. Midnight could be actually made into a play, which would have been awesome. Yes. Oh, like oh, it would it would have been great to do. Also, if you get a chance, Girl in the Fireplace. Oh, yes. You'll be in tears. 
you'll be in tears by the end of that one. But that's, I mean, the core of Doctor Who is change. And that's the great thing about it. And I think one of the reasons why people love it so much is if you don't like an episode, the next one's going to be completely different. Oh, exactly. You're always going to be able to find something to love about it. Yeah, even the, the historical figures, we haven't really talked about that, because he does travel back in time to different, you know, time periods, and he encounters all sorts of characters throughout history. He meets Dickens, he meets um, Vincent Van Gogh, which is an amazing episode. Oh, yeah, this last season, the doctor just met uh, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. And and Thomas Edison, so it's pretty awesome. And like you said, the season before, um, Rosa Parks. So there's definitely very historical stories where they meet and, you know, they have, what, fixed points in time where they can't change anything, so. Like Pompeii. Like Pompeii is one of my favorite new series, you know, um, episodes is, is Pompeii. I think that it's a great, you know, it's a great episode. So mm-hmm. Donna, <laughs> Donna yelling at the doctor. <laughs> and that's the cool thing. Each companion, when they're with the doctor, has a different dynamic. There's no two companions that were ever the same with the doctor, which was yeah. awesome. We've mentioned how, like, you know, each, you know, depending on your personality, you know, you might be attracted or, you know, involved, interested in a particular doctor. But the fact of the matter is, is the doctor usually isn't alone. So it's how they interact with their companions, who those companions are, that whole team TARDIS thing, whoever's, you know, traveling with them. That's what brings you in and pulls you in. Yeah. And, and you become part of the fam. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it's like we said before, too, those companions remind the doctor of what it means to have a, a human side. I mean, the doctor's not, depending on, on which story you, you, you watch, he, isn't, he or she isn't necessarily human. But to interact with humanity, they have to have sort of that humanity with them. And the mm-hmm. companions help to remind remind the character of the Doctor, you know, what it means to be human. There's there's one point with the fifth Doctor's run when when one of the companions says, "You know what? This isn't for me," and departs the TARDIS. Yeah, because or you've actually had companions that have failed too. Yeah. That you know, you had a companion you know took advantage of going forward in time, and got all this modern technology, and the Doctor was pissed off as hell yeah. because mm-hmm. of that. So it was it was real interesting to see. There's so much to, for Doctor Who, but this is just an intro. This yeah. is Doctor Who one on one oh one. So thank you guys for listening to our nonsense today. It was a lot of fun as always. Let's uh thank of course Caro and Rob for having us. It's always a pleasure for you guys to let us blab about Doctor Who. And you guys have been great to us over the years. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate that. And of course, thank you, Mike. uh, uh, Every single one of you have been absolutely spiffing uh, in uh, working with us for over a decade. So thank you so much. Now I feel old. I was going to say, (laughs) I don't travel through time. Sorry. I'm just trudging along year after year. I've been on on the direct, I've been on the bridge track for almost 20 years. So I don't know what you're talking about. Good point. (laughs) So of course, 
Uh, Mr. Mike Faulkner, how can people find you? Uh, you can find the Timestamps Project, which we mentioned before is a look at Doctor Who starting at the very first episode, walking week by week through those stories uh, up to the 10th Doctor now as we, as we record this. I'll be finishing his run by the end of the year. Um, you can find that at creativecriticality.net. Excellent. And Mary Ogle, Mr. Mike Gordon, and myself are all part of Earth Station Who. We are part of the ESO Network. You could find us wherever fine podcasts are found. We come out every other week, except for when the new series is on. We're weekly, and we review Doctor Who. We review comics. We review books. We review Big Finish. We talk about everything Doctor Who. Some good, some bad. You'll hear it all. You know, we've been doing this for about eight years now. So we've been talking all about Doctor Who and we're just having a blast. And we have no signs of letting up. So thank you, Dragon Con. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Earth Station Who, we have a brand new website coming very soon. Probably by the time Dragon Con rolls around, you'll be able to go to earthstationwho.com to see all our past episodes. So thank you guys so, so much. Well, thank you so much for everything. The uh, Brit track at DragonCon, of course, is a fan track uh, at DragonCon. We've been around since, I want to say, 1987. We've been around in some iteration or form, and we've been the Brit track uh, for the past 15 years. So uh, you can find us on social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, just look for us at Brit track, and you'll find us. So thank you so much. Okay. Don't you look tired? No. <laughs> <laughs> a little tired. Like that joke. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, DragonCon, for everything. We really appreciate it. Bye. See you around next time. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You can subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Claire here with a special announcement. Contrary to popular belief, I didn't cancel Dr. Geek's laboratory. It fell into development purgatory thanks to MacGuffinite crystals or some such science from fiction nonsense. I've put an end to that. I locked all the staff inside the laboratory for the duration of the crisis. Now they can create 24-7 without petty distractions like home lives or free will. Look for new Dr. Geek episodes coming soon. The gay dynamics last up against the wall when the robots rise. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.